0: Welcome to Oslo International Church's podcast, where we share weekly reflections from our community of faith. If you'd like to explore more of our resources or join us for a service, visit our website at oslointernational.church. And now, here's the message from our last Sunday service with Pastor Mike on Storenagel. St. Mark doesn't begin in the beginning. St. Mark doesn't begin in the beginning. Uh, today's text, which we will get into in a little while, and for those of you who were here last week, you know that for, for now, for this season of epiphany, as we call this time in the liturgical calendar, uh, we're going to actually be following the, the lectionary, which is uh, some text that the Bible Society lays out every year in a rotation, and a lot of the churches in Norway are following this, uh, and we're exploring that. We're letting Jesus take us all around the scriptures and, and see what happens. Uh, and today's text is from the gospel according to St. Mark. And it is from the very beginning of the gospel according to St. Mark. But Mark does not begin in the beginning. Or maybe he does. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's us. Maybe it's us who tend to forget Where it starts, and we tend to forget where it starts once we learned about this beginning before the beginning. And if you're getting confused, I I don't blame you. This is a bit confusing. So, maybe I can start this again from a different angle. Are you ready for 2024? Are you ready for 2020? Have you arrived? Have you arrived in 2024? I mean the actual 2024. Not just this abstract one to which we sort of raised our glasses when the clock ticked past midnight on the 31st of December and it was just a number. But have you arrived? And I'm guessing that you have because today is already the 14th of January. And there's only so long that we can hold on to all of that Christmas break vibes, right? It fizzes away. Are you ready for the rest of the winter? Are you ready for the, for the darkness without the Christmas lights? Are you, are you ready for the reality of a new year, which is the reality that, well, reality goes on in spite of our holidays? that little has changed, but the number in our calendars. And I'm not trying to play the Grinch here, even though I actually think I would be very good for the part, but it's not what I'm trying to do. Uh, I actually love Christmas. And if you've ever been around my family for Christmas, you know that to be true. I love Christmas, and I have come to love it even more after moving to Norway. Because when November comes, right, when October, November come, and the darkness and the cold have kicked in, having Christmas to look forward to actually helps a lot. As days get darker... We fill our houses with Christmas lights and Christmas decorations and the Christmas food, the Christmas stories, they help distract us from the darkness of the long nights and often also from other things that are dark, without and within. The Christmas story also sometimes plays this role of a welcome distraction. And sure, Christmas can be stressful, there's a lot to do, but still our focus is on gifts and celebrations and baby Jesus being born into the world. Peace on earth among those on whom his favor rests. For the Christian church, Christmas is also the beginning of a new year the liturgical calendar of the church, it starts with Christmas. Right? That's when the year starts, which I guess is quite a high note to start on. Christ is born. A new year begins. And then we get those lazy days, hopefully, in between Christmas and the change of the calendar year. And we again say, you know, happy new year. A new year, 2024 is starting and we raise our glasses to it, and we celebrate, and then it actually starts. And both the liturgical beginnings of Christmas and the calendar beginning of the 1st of January, they seem to fade away close to meaninglessness. Winter goes on. The white Christmas needs to be shoveled away from our driveways and our streets so that we can get back to work, school, and the troubles that we pretended to leave behind. But St. Mark, Mark doesn't start with what we now call the beginning. He does, however, start where it all begins and where it needs to begin again today this is today's reading and it's from the beginning of the gospel of saint john of saint mark sorry uh chapter one and i'm going to read from verses one to fifteen and this is how mark writes the beginning of the good news of jesus christ the son of god as it is written in the prophet isaiah see i am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. And the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. So says the gospel according to Saint Mark. During the Advent season leading to Christmas, uh, we looked through the gospels and we looked at how each of the gospel writers approaches the story of Christmas. But we left out Mark. So we had only three Sundays on our, on our Advent Christmases. Yeah, Advent, not Christmases, Sundays, sorry. On our Advent Sundays. So we left out Mark. Does Mark even have a Christmas story? Is that why we left him out? Or is this story that we read today Mark's Christmas story? And you can call me weird if you want to, but I would argue that it is. That this is Mark's Christmas story. I've actually argued this before, by the way. We did the same exercise back in the Advent season of 2020. And this is my point. In the logic of the gospel, according to Mark, this is the birth of the Son of God on earth. In any case, this is the realization that the Son of God is among us. In human form, yet still somehow the Son of God. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. We are more accustomed to uh, seeing Mary right seeing mary pregnant with the son of god and angels announcing his birth from the womb of mary mark comes at it from another angle mark sees a message a message that is pregnant with the coming of the son of god that is preparing it gestating it a message of repentance and a message of expectation And then the Spirit announces Christ's Sonship to God as Jesus is birthed from the waters of baptism. Good news, the Son of God is among us, says the first chapter of the gospel according to Mark. Good news, the Son of God is among us and the Son of God is identifying with us on a very human Level. Now, Mark may not give us that identification through visualizing or bringing to us Jesus as a baby, as Luke does, but he takes Jesus straight from his baptismal birth, which, by, which by the way, is an extremely human experience. Right? Matthew tells us of John's reaction to Jesus What are you doing coming to baptism? This is about repentance. This is about getting in touch with brokenness. And Mark has Jesus go straight from this baptismal birth to the desert of temptation. God undergoing human experience and the announcement, the realization of this God with us is that the kingdom of God has come. And that's both the message from the mouth of John the Baptist and Jesus, but it is also the message in the wandering body of Jesus Christ as he goes through his ministry. The kingdom of God has come. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace on those on whom his favor rests. That's the message of the angel voices in the gospel according to Luke you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. The kingdom of God has come near. That is the Trinitarian voices in the gospel according to Mark. But I'm not only interested in how Mark tells the story of Christmas. This is also about how, how we come to the story of the birth of Jesus in the first place. And I talked a little bit about this last week already. Because for the gospel writers, for the disciples of Jesus, and for the vast majority of those hearing the good news of which the angels sung, the first meeting with Jesus is with the reality of Jesus in ministry. It is the reality of the forgiveness of sins. Declared over those whom he meets. It is the reality of the healing and of the freeing from spiritual bondage. It is the reality of the teachings in the cities and on the hillsides and on the shores of the sea. It is the reality of the walking with people and eating at tables with Pharisees and with tax collectors and with prostitutes and with fishermen and with synagogue leaders. It is those experiences and those realities witnessing that the presence of Jesus among them, there are those that make them realize that the words are true that say God is close, the kingdom has come. God is among them. God is redeeming and healing and saving today. It is not the story of how Jesus was born that leads them to follow him. It is by following Jesus, and again, I mentioned this last week already, right? It is by following Jesus that they start asking about the birth of this God among us, and you know, somebody eventually gets to Mary, gets to the first eyewitnesses, and somehow gets the story of those few who witnessed the stories of the birth and the early infancy of Jesus. So it's not the the virgin birth that convinces Christians of the divine nature of Jesus, at least not first-generation Christians. It is the witness of his divine ministry and presence that leads them to these stories. And in that sense, the story of Christmas as a part of the gospel, it comes later. The gospel according to Mark is actually most likely, and there's fairly agreement in, in biblical scholarship among this about this, is that the Gospel of Mark is the first gospel to be written. Only a couple of decades after Jesus. Very early. It comes later. It is the beginning, before the beginning, that we learn about after we've already begun in the story. And the reason I am highlighting this today is that it says something very important to how we live our faith, how we bear our testimony to Jesus, as well as to the relevance of faith to the reality of our lives. I mean, as wonderful as the story of Christmas is, it does carry at least two risks. In its historical, in its liturgical, and its apologetical use and appropriation. And how we, how we place it historically, how we use it in the life of the church, and how we use it to convince others of stuff, right? That's what these words mean, the lit- historical, liturgical, and apologetical use. One risk is that the Christmas story acts as a kind of a taming device for the gospel, Christmas becomes the highlight and the starting point of the Christmas Christian calendar and the public and becomes the public image of the gospel, and it becomes the centerpiece of faith. But it's not just any Christmas. It is the Christmas with the gilded, rosy-cheeked baby sleeping in a manger with peaceful animals grazing at its side. And and wealthy kings giving him presents and humble shepherds reverently kneeling quietly on the side. It's a safe, romantic image of a warm and benevolent Messiah that we want to cuddle with and give presents in the name of. It's the holiday Jesus. And it's all great and warm, but it poses no threat to us. It doesn't need to challenge us. It's a nice motive for our faith and for our songs, but it doesn't necessarily lay a claim on our lives. But St. Mark will have none of that. Because that's not how he experienced Jesus. Mark brings us straight into the agenda of repentance and redemption. Straight in. The kingdom has come, and that means repentance. That means active faith. That means a transformation of the realities of brokenness in which we are all immersed. Soul, body, and minds. It's around us. It's in us. We are part of it even as we fight against it, we're there. And it's not that the baby in the manger is irrelevant to Mark. Of course not. But if the baby in the manger is to really be good news, not just soothing news, we need to meet him truly as the Savior with all that meant in the lived life of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So a Christmas that tames the gospel is not good news. It's just a good story. The other risk, this was one risk, right? That Christmas tames the gospel. The other risk is, is using Christmas story at, the Christmas story as a sort of a dogmatizing device. And what I mean by that is that we make it to be a source of authority in itself. So we start the story, we start the argument by affirming that Jesus was born the Son of God. Therefore, because he is the Son of God, we must accept who he claims to be and obey what he commands of us. So because he is the Son of God, born miraculously of virgin birth, we must declare him Lord and submit to him and to those who safeguard his holy story. Now the problem with this approach is, is twofold. First, it's dishonest. For that is not how Jesus himself presented himself to the world, neither is it how those who followed him and wrote the accounts that we have about Jesus came to understand him as the Savior of the world. It's also a circular argument, right? And nowhere in the Gospels do you see Jesus arguing his oneness and his closeness with the Father based on the circumstances of his birth. Secondly, using the Christmas story as a dogmatizing device demands nothing of our life, only of our discourse. It demands nothing of our life, just of our discourse. All we need to do is convince people of the argument that Jesus is the Son of God and expect that they must believe and follow and we must stick to the spoken doctrine And that's it. But people followed Jesus, not because they were convinced of this, but because the good news was incarnate in his life and not only in his words. The word had become flesh and was not only living, it was redeeming among them. It was touching them where it hurts And bringing healing. This living word of fleshed divine in Christ is is one that knows the taste of the water where our brokenness and our tears are confessed in our need for forgiveness and for forgiving. This God among us knows the heat and the dryness of the wilderness. Knows the sensation of hunger in the empty stomach. The threat of greed in an empty pocket. This Jesus is there on the 14th of January. And on Monday. And the day after. This Jesus Meets us in the darkness. Not only when we've decorated it with the right discourses or whatever it may be. So, meeting this Jesus today is where it begins. Meeting this Jesus tomorrow is where it begins. And where it can always begin. Always anew, always again. Today, a random January Sunday is the day where tomorrow begins. And is the day where grace invites us that it may begin in repentance and in hope and in forgiveness So that it may be part of the beginning of all that is to come and that is worth walking into and hoping for and praying for and living into and being shaped into. Today is the beginning that can welcome the beginnings of before, of Christ and of our own. Today is the beginning that can welcome the story of the Christ that is born and move it into tomorrow. Today is the beginning that can pave the way for the beginnings of tomorrow because these things, these things that Mark has Jesus coming into are the things that we live again and again because we must. We are baptized once so that we may forgive and be forgiven always. Right? How many times, Jesus? 77 times 7. It doesn't stop. Because it can't. That's the Jesus where it begins. The one that touches the leper. The one that Sits with the broken. The one that resurrects so that we may know and believe that this fullness of life, right? This life that breaks in the middle of the wilderness is one that sustains and is here also to this day. And that we may be part and take part in it. So no. Mark doesn't start at the beginning of, our, uh, of the way in which we make the gospel history, right? He doesn't start at the beginning maybe of where we make the gospel dogma. But he starts where it bites, right, in life. Because that's where he wants to meet us and us to meet Christ. That's the, and we need it again every day, right? Christ is the beginning in us again today and us in him. In a way, that's why we do this church thing, isn't it? We need to begin again all the time. And we need to be invited and we need to be reminded and we need to be challenged and we need to realize that we got lost in this retelling so that we can stop and then do it again. So what is today, 14th of January, for you? Now that you know that holidays end, right? Now that your year has actually begun, with everything that you break and everything that breaks you, with everything that you make come alive and all the things that move you, now that all of this is inescapable, Can this be the beginning of tomorrow? And can that tomorrow be a place of hope, of forgiveness, of grace, of transformation? Can that be the story of Christ with us? So New Year, I guess. (laughs) Happy New Year, Happy New Life, I don't know. Whatever it is, welcome to the beginning. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you that you may know that he is gracious towards you. May the Lord turn his face towards each and every one of you today, tomorrow, and the day after, and that he may bring you of his peace. So go in the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and serve each other, serve the world. And in doing so, let us serve the Lord and let us do it joyfully. Amen. Do you want to stay connected with us? Check out our website at oslointernational.church to discover more about our community, access additional resources, and join us in our faith journey. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.